right, all right, here we go. It's episode 34 of the NBA edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I'll be your host for today. I'm Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by NBA betting expert, got Mackenzie Rivers in the house. Mackenzie, playoffs are here. Playoffs are set. Playing games are over. Interesting night of basketball. Both of the road teams won in the Atlanta Hawks and the Pelicans. So we're all set. We're all locked and loaded. We have our series ready to rock and roll. You know, what did you think of the playing games? You know, how did how did uh, how did you make out over the last couple of days? Did great in the play-in games. We hit the Trey Young best bet on this pod. I also came back to that prop. It was so mispriced. I mean, there was such a good chance that he would have a 24-point game or less. I bet under 25 and a half plus 280. That got there. So yeah, it's been a profitable start to the play-in tournament, and it's just been great basketball. All these teams all in the whole time. Great 48 minutes tonight. We saw two comebacks, two road favorites getting there. It was fascinating from a stats perspective. This is a brand new concept, the play-in tournament. I know there was a play-in tournament in the bubble, but that was ad hoc, and it was not what this is. So last two years, that is the full history of the NBA play-in tournament. There's been 12 games, and we have some data here. So coming into today, favorites and home teams, because there had never been a road favorite in this scenario, were 9-1 and one straight up and had done great against the spread, covering by an average of 8 points per game. So for the very first time in this brand new concept in the history of the play-in tournament, tonight we had not one but two road favorites. The Cavs kind of been beaten up for the last couple months. The Hawks have been ascending. So yeah, they're slightly better on it in Cleveland. And then we had Paul George hours before the game be bounced out due to COVID protocols. And the Pelicans, the surging Pelicans, who are now 10-2 and two, straight up in ATS since the All-Star break when Brandon Ingram plays, so they've been on fire, they were a road favorite. So the question was, this 9-1 and straight-up streak, is it favorites in this play-in tournament, in this setting, that gets there? Or is it home teams? Because both had been 9-1. and Well, I put my money on the favorites. I like the Hawks, and that got there. And in both games, they were down big, but they had – the talent, the guard play especially, that the other team didn't. And that's what that calm, cool, and collectedness got there. And that's why I think the better teams, I mean, so often you're looking for value on on the counter narrative, but in general, the better teams have been better in the play. It sounds pretty simple, but it's gotten there. Nine-point favorites are better. I mean, this is one trend that's uh, kind of analogous. It's not exactly the play-in, but just nine-point favorites are or better. 60% against the spread since 2003. By the way, road favorites, just road favorites since 2003, 57% and 2-0 tonight. Uh, some interesting data, a lot to process, but uh, forget about the past. Let's look towards the future because we got three great bets I'm looking forward to talking about. Yeah, you mentioned some interesting stuff there. You'd, and you know, Mackenzie, I wonder if I wonder if the Clippers are the better team. It was unfortunate that Paul George ended up going out and that's that I mean obviously that hurt that team now they're out of the playoffs you know speaking of Paul George you know that was a prop that we gave out on our last podcast you know I gave that one out that one cash you gave out Trey Young that one cash but you know, Mackenzie we set the bar high on our last podcast we end up going four and oh so uh we have to go ahead and, and, and step up to the plate and try to deliver once again uh for those of you guys that are wondering when the podcasts are going to come out because the NBA playoff schedule is so intense you, know, you have games every day. So on the weekend, you're, you're looking at four series, and during the week, you're looking at three. So Mackenzie and I are going to do, 
we're going to go ahead. We're going to keep the normal podcast drop date here as normal. And then Mackenzie and I, throughout the week, we're going to go ahead. We'll give out free plays. Uh, we'll probably put some up on our YouTube channel. We'll put them up on our Twitter pages. You guys can get all that free information at pregame.com and also at the pregame.com Twitter, which is at pregame now. So you guys will have a full plate uh, each and every day from Mackenzie and I. But Mackenzie, let's go ahead and talk about you know, what we're going to do for this podcast. So what Mackenzie and I decided we were going to do, we wanted to look at the games and we're sitting there and we're shooting around, you know, all these props and we're looking at sides and we're looking at totals. And Mackenzie, let's 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 give out our best stuff. Let's let's find something that we both agree on. Your best bets, my best bets, and let's let's condense it down and say, let's just pick these out. So what we did, guys, we fell on one side, one prop, and one series. Mackenzie and I both like them. They're our best bets. So for the first time probably on this podcast, you're going to get three double best bets. So with that said, Mackenzie, how are you feeling about giving out three double best bets for our listeners? You know what this feels like? It feels like an NFL Sunday where we so rare in the NBA to have these games, you know, on paper, ready to go, but days away where we have this prep time. And, you know, we sent back and forth a dozen plays or so. And what I love about talking to you is you're not afraid to tell me if you disagree. We disagree on plays all the time. But just sending us our best stuff, there was a few that we, uh, a few that I kind of like, you know, it kind of made sense to me. But the more we talked about it, we went back and forth. It went from a lean to confirmed, sincere agreement. So these are three plays that I'll personally be betting. And uh, let's get into it. All right. So one of the things that we wanted to go ahead and discuss and get out of the way was that, you know, a lot of these playoff games, Mackenzie, you know, these lines are tight. Like the books are, they're zeroed in, they're ready to rock and roll. They got all the numbers, they got everything. So, you know, instead of giving you guys a, a full breakdown of each series and each team and all that, you know, we were going to end up with a bunch of passes. So we want to avoid that. So we want to give you guys the best stuff. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start out with the side play that Mackenzie and I agreed on most, and that's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks. They're going to be at home. They're playing the Chicago Bulls. The Bucks right now are laying a big number here, Mackenzie. We're laying 10 points here with Milwaukee. We have a total of 229. You're going to hit the statistical. I'm going to hit the motivational. I'll let you rip and run first. What are you thinking? A lot of different things coming together. I mentioned a minute ago, favorites, big favorites in general, have done excellent in the playoffs. Favorites of eight and a half or more, 61%. 133 winners, only 85 losers. Because there's there's no let up in these teams. And there's no let up in the Bucks. There's a reason why Giannis and these Bucks do better the more they beat you. I've talked about this on this pod. Against the NBA Central, the teams that see Giannis the most the Bucks, since his first MVP season, have been 70% against the spread. I call it the sharp elbows theory. Hear me out. Playing Giannis is definitely a psychological component that's unlike any other player because he is unlike any other player. He's not a finesse guy. He doesn't shoot a lot of fadeaway jumpers. He doesn't come off screens. But he comes downhill and offense, or rather defense, becomes offense quicker than anybody in the league. So that has an effect on you. And I think teams that have seen it and they know it's coming kind of brace themselves, kind of, you know, brace for impact. And Giannis feels that fear and he executes on it. So if you just take, you know, the entire span of Bucks games, the last four years where they've been excellent, okay, they're 52% against the spread. Not a surprise. As good as a team is, the market catches up and, you know, there's, there's le- it levels off. But if you look at it as teams that the Bucs have beaten, their last game by 10 plus, they're 54% against the spread. And in 
all other games, they're 48% against the spread. So you're almost, you know, professional level, 55%. If you just say, hey, they just killed this team, and they're coming back at it. The Bucs have obviously destroyed the Bulls the second half of the season. The sharp elbow theory is in full effect. And Chicago's ready, in my opinion, for this season to be over. Because the story, this glowing narrative of how, you know, Billy Donovan and DeRozan chose the right team. And there was so much positivity going on with the Bulls that just have has popped like a balloon. So before Lonzo Ball went down, everything's shiny. DeMar DeRozan's just there. Zach Levine's having his best shooting start to a season ever. Lonzo Ball is hitting 40% of his threes. They're pretty good. They were the eighth best team in the league by net rating. All right, I'm, I'm going to lay out four different time periods that get closer and closer to this moment, and you'll see that they get progressively and progressively more horrendous as a ball club. So if you just say, since Lonzo's been out, how have they been? Well, they're 21st best team in the league. You know, that's not a playoff team. You know, 16th would be the worst playoff team if, you know, if everything was fair. But it's not, it's not worst team in the league. They've been bad. They've been four points worse than their opponent on average since Lonzo Ball went out. That was January 14th. All right, since the All-Star break, you know, they had a week off. They had to plan. They had to get new players in there. Seven points worse than their opponents. That's 27th in the league. The last 30 days, they've been nine points worse. And since Lonzo Ball was officially designated, because remember, it was a six to eight week injury for the point guard of the Bulls when it first happened in January. It's like, all right, he's going to be out, but he'll be back for the playoffs. We can get some of this momentum. When we were the talk of the town, we were first in the East, you know, really early in the season, that there was still light at the end of the tunnel. Since April 6th, when Lonzo Ball was officially declared kaput, 11 points worse than their opponents. They went from four points better through January with Lonzo Ball, everything looking good, four points worse since then, and 11 points worse, the most recent sample that we have. The Bulls are going down. I like the Bucks to sweep. And here's another reason why I like the Bucks. Yeah, they've been a great playoff team. They've been a great team against the Bulls. They've been a great team against the Central. They lost against the Magic in their first round, and then they went to overtime in their first game of the playoffs last year. So the last two years, you know, you could argue that it's the reason, oh, they, they fall asleep. They're not there for game one. I don't think that's it. I think those were two one-off occasions that will actually get them perked up and not ready to drop this game. So there's a lot of things pointing in this direction. I just don't think the market can keep up with how bad the Bulls have been and how dominant the Bucks have been in this matchup. I don't see either of those things changing. What do you think? I mean, is there any reason for optimism? I mean, I have a lot of Chicago Bulls fans in my life. A lot of people saying, you know, it's kind of like the Cavs. You heard this, and I know you were on the Cavs. I like the Hawks. One of the reasons why I like the, the Hawks was because the whole narrative around, well, the Cavs were hurt in March. Well, the Cavs were hurt since the All-Star break. I'm like, well, the Cavs were supposed to be a terrible team coming into the season. So, yeah, they were really good for a couple months in November and December and January. But I'm not going to rely on that three months later to say, oh, well, we know that, that the last two months weren't real because when they started the season, they were all healthy. I think we got to look at the data as it comes in, and we can't just assume, poof, playoffs start, and Jared Allen's back and the Cavs are back. No, I don't think the Bulls have a gear. I don't think Billy Donovan has a tool in his in his in his handbag, but maybe I'm missing something because a lot of my Bulls, a lot of my Bulls fans in my life still have optimism. What do you think? I have optimism that they can, you know, maybe pull a game out, maybe two. You know, you have DeRozan. He was, you know, playing at MVP level. 
we know what Levine can do, and we know Vucevic is is, is a very good you know center. It's, and it could, could they put a game together? What do they do at point guard? What do they do at point guard though? I mean, they don't have. That's been their problem. I don't think they have an answer for their point guard problem. I think everything has to. I mean, it's got to go through Levine and DeRozan. It's basically, you know, maybe it's ISO ball, create your own shot. It, it's it's been a struggle for them, and that's been one of the reasons, you know, why they've been struggling. So I don't know if they can pull, you know, a game out. Maybe they do get swept. Everything I'm seeing right now is, you know, it's it's pointing towards, you know, don't touch the Bulls. I mean, how many how many point? Like at what point, Mackenzie, would we actually want to take the Bulls in Game One? How many points will we need? You know, will we need you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, somewhere in that area. I mean, that's kind of what we're thinking. Like, you know, laying 10 with the Bucks, we're not scared. I mean, we're giving it out as our best bet. You know, I think that I think that this Bucks team has been maybe one of the more, more disrespected title teams, you know, in a long time. I haven't heard anybody take the Bucks, you know, as their as their title pick. You know, and that's that's even, you know, counting the guys in, in the Vegas echo chamber. Like, I haven't heard anybody take the Bucks. You know, right now they're what, plus four seventy five. And that's pretty much at most shops. So, you know, the sports books actually do believe in this Bucks team. Um, you know, the fact that, you know, they're listed as the second favorite. And I believe that a lot of that, McKenzie, is due to the books are just not fully bought into, you know, the teams in the East anymore. You know, Simmons might play. He might not play. Robert Williams for the Celtics. He's gone down. Uh, Philly hasn't looked exactly as sharp as some had thought. You know, the Bulls that we're talking about now, they've been plummeting south, you know, for weeks now. So, I think the Bucks see this, and if Milwaukee, you know, reflects on the title run last year, you know, you mentioned it. Like they started out with a four and O sweep, game one goes into overtime, followed by six days of rest. Well, you know, when things go well, Mackenzie, you you kind of do the same thing. It's like rinse and repeat. You know, why change the process? I could see the Bucks saying, you know, let's not play with fire with the Bulls. Let's just go out. Let's take care of business. I don't see it. I don't see the Bulls catching the game. The more I think about it, the more I hear hear what you're saying, reflecting on uh, my own thoughts coming into the series. The Bucks take away that wing player. You're not going to do it with DeMar DeRozan shooting twos when every time you miss, you got you know a blitzkrieg coming the other way. You got you know threes coming over your head. And Drew Holiday is going to have a field day. Whoever he wants to pick on, whether it's Kobe White, Caruso, they're not going to be able to get up the court, literally. There is a reason why NBA Finals MVP Andre Iguodala two days ago said Drew Holiday was probably the defender of his generation, maybe the defender of all time. I know it sounds like hyperbole, but that's the kind of credit he's getting from obviously an all defensive, you know, Hall of Fame type level player. And he's going to have free reign. It's not going to be like, oh, you have to slow down Trey Young. It's like you're going to eliminate one of these bulls from the competition, and then we're going to play five on four. I see one-way traffic. You look at the opponents the Bucks have had that have pushed them in recent years. It's the Nets with Kyrie. It's Atlanta with Trey Young. They went six. The Suns won the first two games. That went six. They all have great point guards. I don't think you could beat the Bucks with wings. I don't think it happens. I think they win zero games. The only reason why I would slightly say that I disagree with you and, and go back to you know, go back to when Orlando beat them. You know, did Orlando have a DeRozan or a Levine or a Vukovic on that team? Actually, I think they had Vukovic on that team. They did, yeah. <laughs> they did. Just saying, though. But they like, they didn't have any other real all-star players on that team. And you know Levine could go off for 40. You know that. DeRozan could go off for 40. You know that. Those guys could put a good game together. And look, if the Bucks, there's always that possibility, McKenzie, that they could be 
overlooking this team, being like, ah, we're going to blow these guys out. And they come out and they're lazy, you know, on the road. Like, Milwaukee does have to go on the road. And when's the last time the Bulls were in a playoff game where, you know, that they thought that they had a good enough team to at least compete? Well, I think the, the fan base certainly thinks this team could compete. Um, it, at one point, what were they? They were the number one seed, you know, in the East. So um, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I don't want to just say that, that DeRozan is, you know, just a journeyman and, and Levine. Like, those guys can ball, and you know that that those guys can bring some game. It's not going to be easy. The Bucks are the champs for a reason. A very good crew. I think one of my strongest reasons why I actually like the fact that they can cover this 10 points is they, they have a very deep bench Milwaukee. And it, it's going to shrink up. And you're probably going to end up with guys like Connaught, and you're going to end up with Grayson Allen, uh, probably Bobby Portis and, and George Hill. Like, those guys are going to want to keep their minutes. So I think that, you know, when Giannis is off the floor, Middleton and, and Drew Holiday, like, these guys are going to step in and they're going to say, you know what, we can't uh, let, let this lead slip away. We need to step up because we can't let, you know, because they have a really deep bench. Like, there's four or five guys sitting there waiting in the wings. Maybe they think that they can get in it. And I don't think that these guys, you know, who are going to be looking for a new contract, you know, looking to go ahead and make a statement in the playoffs, I don't think they let up at all. So I could see the I could see the Milwaukee Bucks starters going out there and, and, and you know, putting a good two-piece on the Bulls. But I could also see the bench, you know, for the Bucks, you know, piecing them up as well. So I'm with you 100% with this one, McKenzie. I really like the Bucks laying the 10 points. I could see game one getting ugly here, McKenzie. I don't want to say it could be a 40-point romper, but but the Bucks have been known to not let up off the gas and put a put a, put a real hurting on a team just to prove a point, just to put doubt in their mind. So we're going with the Bucks as our side play. McKenzie and I, Bucks minus 10, our first double best bet. Let's jump into our prop play that we like here, McKenzie. We're going to go ahead. We're going to play. Andrew Wiggins under 17 and a half points. I'm going to let McKenzie go ahead and start out with this one. All right. You you brought this prop to the table, and it was about two texts in where I realized this number is way off, in my opinion. I completely agree. But to give you fair credit, it wasn't on my radar until you pointed it out. And real simply, th- there's been three times that the big three assembled this season, only three times. Two of the games, Andrew Wiggins sat out mysteriously with an illness. Now, maybe he had the flu. Maybe he could have gone. My instinct is that they were thinking, well, you know, let's just rest him because this is about the big three. Well, you know what? You just mentioned teams shorten their bench in the playoffs. This is about the big three. This guy, Andrew Wiggins, you know, number one overall draft pick, fantastic athlete, fantastic talent. He didn't deserve to be an all-star starter. He was on the court when the Golden State Warriors started off the season like the old school Golden State Warriors beating teams by 10 points a game. There was one game where Andrew Wiggins did suit up along with the big three. That means Steph Curry was there. Klay Thompson had his headband on and Draymond Green was dishing out assists. Andrew Wiggins was there. He got nine shots up. He scored 10 points. That's his role on this team. That's who they envisioned when they brought him here. Not an all-star starter, but a better version of Harrison Barnes, which probably isn't even his role anymore anyway, because that fourth scorer, that Kevin Durant guy that replaced Harrison Barnes for a gigantic upgrade, that's Jordan Poole now. The fourth scorer on the Golden State Warriors is not Andrew Wiggins, in my opinion. I think, I mean, and Draymond Green's not a scorer, but you know what I mean, fourth most active offensive player, because he has the ball a lot, Draymond. That Jordan Poole, 
I think has taken this role, and I think he should. He's a better shooter. That's what they really need because they're going to create a lot of space with the rest of their offense. Andrew Wiggins is a solid player. Ten points a game is what I expect going forward. Well, let's start with the number because you brought it up and you, you said you thought it was wrong. Well, Wiggins' season average is 17.2 points per game. So that's actually less than this prop is right now. Right now as it stands, you know, the books haven't released Steph Curry yet. And when Curry's prop gets dropped, Wiggins' number can only go down. It's 100% going to drop. I assume Curry will probably roughly account for maybe 20% of the points for the Warriors team total. So I can only predict that Wiggins' point total is going to drop by about 20%. So that's going to put him somewhere around 16, maybe 15 and a half. I believe the Warriors are going to run a good bit of small ball. And they are going to include that guy that you talked about, that fourth score in Jordan Poole, along with Curry, Clay, and Draymond running the point. Where does Wiggins fit into this offense? I don't think that he does. I think where he fits, you know, when he's on the on the floor, is he's going to fit down in the corner where, you know, you got Clay and Curry and you got Poole out there. Those guys are just going to be out there jacking up threes. And, and don't forget, you know, Wiggins was – he was a big beneficiary of Curry being out for a period of time. That's going to inflate his numbers. That's going to inflate his average. Also, Clay was out for, what, half the season. So Wiggins ended up being the beneficiary of many players being out of this lineup, especially coming down the stretch here. So I believe we've seen two different Warriors teams. We've seen the Warrior team without Clay, without Curry, and now we've seen this current team, which Wiggins is – Average is at 17.2 points per game. The line is just, it's 100% wrong, Mackenzie. 100% wrong. You said it. This line will go down. Just today, I was pretty sure in the morning Jarrett Allen was going to play. He's announced in, and Laurie Markinen's number drops a point and a half. That's not even close to the effect that I think Steph Curry coming in and Clay Thompson being there and Jordan Poole ascending. I think you're right, completely different Warriors team, the season on average versus what we're going to enter the playoffs with. And let me ask you, ask you a quick question. What are the chances, and I'm being sincere, what do you think the percent chances are that if Klay Thompson was healthy at the beginning of the season and played the whole season, that Andrew Wiggins would be an all-star starter? Is it 1%? And people still have that in their minds. They still have number one overall draft pick, all-star starter, 17 and a half points a game. You know, it's actually less than that, like you mentioned, but people fudge the numbers when they want to bet and over. What are the chances that he could have anywhere close to this kind of season if, like we are starting the playoffs, Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole are as much of the offense as they are right now? I would honestly say probably zero. I'm, well, I'll give him 1%. I'll give him one, but I would say zero is probably probably the actual correct number. I mean I, I would I would lay a th- I would lay 2000 for sure without even blinking. I'd lay 2000 to win 100 bucks. I would lay minus 2000. Let's just say that in a heartbeat wouldn't even have to think about it. There's no way he would have this outsized role with the current Warriors makeup, which by the way is good. It's that's called having uh an excess of riches when you can have a guy, you know, step into that role and then recede to where he should be, which is, you know, a role player. I think a lot of why he made the all-star team was the fact that, that they were winning games. And He was an all-star starter. I mean, he didn't even just make the team. He was one of the five best players in the West, according to, the, you know, the voters and the fans or whatever. I don't know where he fits in, to be honest with you, because I think the Warriors bench is actually, 
down the stretch, they've really played well. Like, yeah, you could talk about Poole, and he's not going anywhere. There's no way that they could take Poole off the floor for long periods of time like they would treat any normal bench player because he's just – he's been so good. And there's guys like Kaminga. Like, he's playing really well. A young kid that's not afraid to play defense, not afraid to go out there and shoot the ball, not afraid to just get ugly and aggressive and and, and go out there and try to make things happen all over the floor. Super athletic. He's, he's more athletic than Wiggins, but he doesn't have that – you know, he doesn't have his professional polished game yet. So I don't know where I don't know where Wiggins fits in. And I think that there's going to be guys um on the second unit that that start, you know, chewing into his minutes as well. So we got a bet, man. I don't I don't think we I don't I don't think it's that complicated. This number is wrong. He doesn't have the role that he's had all season. It's a bet. It's a, this is a winner. I believe it is a winner. I don't believe there's any way that they sit Wiggins down and send him to the bench to bring him back out with the second unit. That typically has always been Clay Thompson's role. And if Clay's going to take the seat, then Poole's going to fill his slot. So I don't know where Wiggins gets these points from McKenzie. 17 and a half, it's wrong. When Curry gets ruled in, this number's going down. So go ahead and jump on this right now if you can. Andrew Wiggins, under 17 and a half, that'll be our second best bet. All right, so with our second best bet out of the way, it kind of uh, segues here, McKenzie, into our series best bet. And you and I, we're going to go ahead. We're going to take the Golden State Warriors minus the 250 over the Denver Nuggets. McKenzie, I'll, I got I to gotta ask you, man. Like, this price to me, out of all the series prices, is the one that doesn't make any sense to me. I sat down and I thought about it. I didn't tell you what the number was that I thought in my head. And I'm going to say, and you could say you're crazy. But the fact that you like it makes me think that maybe I am close. But I made my number for the series Warriors minus seven hundred. That is kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, there's here's the thing. I agree with your number. I agree that there's an eighty percent chance the Warriors win this. If the Warriors, if all three of the big three come back in any kind of relative health, and I actually think that's more likely than not, because Draymond Green last five games of the season had performed, you know, on a advanced metrics level as well as he had all season. He was a plus four points bet player per game. Yeah, he dipped coming back out of his injury, but he hadn't dipped, you know, the last five games, which is probably the most important sample for him. Clay Thompson, same thing. They were down big against Utah. He gets hot. So Clay Thompson played 32 games this season, you know, came in midway through the year, only got to play two with Steph and Draymond at the same time. In seven of those games, he made more than 10 baskets, you know, seven out of 32, not a great percentage. In April this month, he played three games. He made 14 field goals on average. All three of them, he had more than 10 field goals. Clay is back, ladies and gentlemen. Clay Thompson, since that Utah game where he scored 36, is back, scoring 30 points, 35 points a game in his last three. It was quiet because it was at the end of the year. Clay Thompson is back. And then it comes to the last guy who I'm not worried about because this guy, Steph Curry, has been plus 14 on average, adding to his team's performance. Nine out of the last 10 years, he's 98th or 99th more often percentile in on-off net rating, which is a simple way of saying how much better in an efficiency way is your team when you're on the court. The one year he wasn't, well, he played five games and he got hurt. Steph Curry... Yeah, he's been in and out of the lineup, but I have no doubt 
that the Warriors, even if he's not Steph Curry worries, you know, 30 points a game, even if he has taken a step back, if he's 75% of a 99 percentile player, the Denver Nuggets don't have a chance, given everything else the Warriors have at their disposal. Look, if Curry can step in and just be 75% of himself, this series probably doesn't even – this series is not going six games. I, it's just not. Look, I get it. The Nuggets have Jokic, and to be honest with you, McKenzie, and, and this could be a little brash, I don't care. He's the MVP. I get it. But the cast of characters behind him are just – are they even starting on half the teams in the league? Do you really think that Jeff Green is starting for half the teams in the league? I don't think so. Austin Rivers, Will Barton, Gordon. I, I just – I can't buy into that, McKenzie. Like, I have four guys that I don't know if they're starters on half the league. And then I have four legit all-stars out of the Warriors starting five. Golden State, to me, they're an underrated team, I think, stat-wise. And versus Denver, Golden State does hold some advantages that, that you might not think that they do. Rebounds, steals, blocks, three-point percentage. That's kind of those numbers there, McKenzie, are coming from the new Warriors team. We're going to end up with the old Warriors team, the buzzsaw Warriors, the 16-0 and run on the floor where you were up three and now you're down 12, wondering what the hell happened. Draymond, Clay, Curry, Wiggins. The Warriors have home court. What do you think that this crowd is going to be like in game one? They've been craving for a chance. It's been massive injury after massive injury in the playoffs. Golden State, they missed the playoffs You know, during the bubble season. They finished with the worst record in the league. How do you think that the, that fan base felt? How do you think that Curry and Clay and Draymond felt? Like, it, it had to be gut-wrenching for them. The Oracle, the new, now Chase Center. Mackenzie, that place is going to be an absolute zoo. This is going to be a night game. Game one, game two are going to be at night. The crowd's going to be drunked up. They're going to be rowdy. The Warriors are going to say, let's break out the buzzsaw. Let's get Clay. Let's get Draymond. Let's get Curry. Let's, let's get the band back together. They're going to mix in a little Wiggins. They're going to mix in a little pool, and they're going to go on a run that Gordon, Barton, Rivers, and Green are not going to be able to catch up. They're going to be down double digits at some point in this game, and they're going to go out there, and they're going to try to fight fire with fire, and they're not going to be able to shoot themselves back in this game. I think the line is just – I think the line in this game is absolutely wrong for game one. I, I really like the Warriors in this game, but I think for a series price at minus 275, McKenzie – I think you have to go ahead and take that wager. And the one of the strongest reasons why I think that this is still a good wager, if Curry's not 100% or if somebody goes down, because we've seen players on this team get hurt in the playoffs, they always have another guy to step up. And whether it would be, hey, Wiggins, we need you to be an all-star. Hey, Poole, we need you to go ahead and fill in for Curry. They could beat this Denver team with one of their star players, maybe even two of their star players, down and out. Why? Because we just watched them do it the other day with Poole, Clay, and Draymond. So I'm all in here. Warriors minus 275. I think it's totally mispriced. I think the Warriors buzzsaw this team. I think they run right through Denver. You asked the question, would Jeff Green be a starter on most teams in the league? Well, he was on the Brooklyn Nets last year. And what was the story of the Brooklyn Nets? They had the big three, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and they were very thin. Jeff Green didn't start on the Brooklyn Nets. Not half the games, not even close. 
in the playoffs, he played six games. He started once after the thin team got even more hurt. No, none of these guys are moving the needle on any playoff team, except for, of course, if you ask the question, what do the Nuggets have going for them? Why are they the sixth seed? Why are they in the playoffs? Well, you mentioned it. They have the MVP. This is more I think about it. The Nuggets and the Bulls have a lot in common where they have one guy that had a tremendous season and they have not much around them. And the Warriors and the Bucks, I think, lucked out, especially the Warriors from a matchup perspective. The one thing that Nuggets have, what do they have that beats an average team? Why are they in the playoffs? Why are they the sixth seed? Nikola Jokic, the MVP. I would argue that the one team they wouldn't want to face is a team with a rangy, multifaceted, defensive player of the year type player in Draymond Green. So I ran the numbers and not pretty for Nikola Jokic. 15 points a game in his career versus Draymond Green. He's only won six out of the 18 games, only five and a half assists per game. And his shooting, 48%, much worse than his career average. His three-point shooting, only 18% when matched up against Draymond Green on the other side of the center position. If If Draymond Green can make him from an MVP into an all-star or to an all-NBA all player, what else are the Nuggets bringing to the table? I, nothing. This might be a sweep. There's really, I mean, the, this kind of match, lines up perfectly for the Warriors moving forward even after this series because even if Curry isn't all there offensively, they have more than enough around him and the Nuggets aren't going to match when their best and their only offensive advantage is is happen to go up against probably the number one defender against them in the entire NBA. I don't know, Mackenzie. I don't think we can pile on anymore because if there's any Nuggets fans listening to this podcast, uh, I think they're saying mercy. They're they're begging for <laughs> mercy. We, we, we got to stop, Mackenzie. So, um, look, guys, we went 4-0 in the last pod. I'm confident Mackenzie and I are going to go 3-0 and on this pod with our picks. Just to recap our best bets, we're going to go ahead and we're going to play the Bucks minus a 10. We're also going to play Andrew Wiggins under 17 and a half points. And we're also going to go ahead and we're going to take the Warriors for the series at minus 250. You guys can pretty much get that consensus at all the sports books. So with all that wrapped up, before we close up, I do want to go ahead and let you guys know right now over at pregame.com, all the NBA playoff packages are up. All the picks are up. You guys can go ahead and save a little bit of money. You can go ahead and enter coupon code NBA. I'm pretty sure you guys can remember that. That's coupon code NBA. Save some money. Make sure you guys go ahead and pick up McKenzie's stuff because he's locked and loaded. He's ready to go. You guys can pick up my stuff as well. And hopefully McKenzie and I, we can make you guys a little bit of money and save you a little bit of cash as well. You guys know where to find us on Twitter, SleepyJ underscore pregame at Mac and Rivers. But that'll wrap up episode 34 of the NBA edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy the playoffs.